Almighty God, we pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would come and especially be with those um, who need encouragement, that this word would be a salve, a balm to their souls. Pray for those who feel overwhelmed by life, Lord, that they would find their faith stirred up again in you. Lord, we pray that the teaching and preaching of Holy Scripture would go down deep in our hearts, uh, that it would take root, and that it would bear fruit unto eternal life. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, the witness of Scripture, and we heard it really this morning in the readings that we were, were offered in our service, the witness of the Scriptures is that there is something intrinsically subversive, something intrinsically subversive about authentically following Jesus Christ. To faithfully follow Jesus is to swim against the tidal pull, title, not title, title, pull. I know I, I need an interpretation of tongues when I speak a lot of times. The tidal pull of the present world system. So to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God in our, our world is to live, listen, like a resident alien in a foreign land, to live like a resident alien in a foreign land. In fact, that's exactly what St. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.11. He refers to believers as aliens and strangers in the world. Aliens and strangers in the world. So if you've said recently or at any time in the past, you know, I just don't feel like I belong here anymore. (laughs) Great, you're finally getting it. That's exactly right. We're aliens and strangers in the world. And one of the defining characteristics of that kind of subversive Christianity is the quality of faith, the quality of faith. And if I was going to give a definition this morning, this is what I would say. And I don't think definitions are sufficient, but here's a shot. I would say that basically faith is, listen, living like God is real. Faith is living like God is real. Notice I didn't say talking like God is real. I said living like God is real. This is a subversive act because unfortunately many times, uh, even in our Christian lives, We will behave like practical atheists, like practical atheists. And what do I mean by that? Well, we intellectually acknowledge the truth of Scripture. We intellectually acknowledge the reality of the God we know and love and serve. But in our actions, we act like everything is up to us, like it's all up to us. Like if we are the only resource available. And the most important relationship in our lives, though, is founded on that principle of faith. You probably have, uh, I'm sure some of us have been involved in Scripture memory in our past, and perhaps uh, Hebrews 11, verse 6, is one of those verses that you memorized. And here the writer of Hebrews says, And without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And I was praying this as I was, I was walking, I was hiking a little bit this, this uh, week, and I was praying this, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Must believe that God exists and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So here's the thing about Christian faith. So although definitions may be helpful, definitions can be helpful about that term faith, the best way to understand it is to see it lived out in the lives of faithful men and women. We need to see it lived out. And that's what's so wonderful about the passages we just heard from Genesis and Romans and Matthew this morning. They provide stories that demonstrate the nature of faith. In particular, the story of Abraham is a great framework 
for delving into what it means to not just talk like we believe, but to actually live by faith. And here's what, I'm not going to bury the lead on this, guys. Here's what I have had to, to live out in my own life. Faith begins with a decision. Now, we're going to talk about that. Don't worry. I am, I am, you're, Ben, are you truly reformed? Are you truly reformed? Trademark, truly reformed, trademark. I want you to know, I'm at least as reformed as the 39 articles of religion. So there you go. So go read those, and I think you'll be okay with that. So I'll explain this decision language in just a minute. But faith begins with a decision to believe that the God we know in Jesus Christ is really there, and that He loves us. He's really there, He loves us, and He is actively engaged for and with us for our good. God God loves you. He cares for you. And He is actively engaged for and with you for your good this morning. Brothers and sisters, if you don't believe that, I'm here to encourage you to believe that. I've had to come to that own realization to live it out in my own life. Or as the Romans passage said of faith, uh, the faith of Abraham, it means that we are full, listen to this. This is uh, Romans 4, the second half of verse 21 we are fully convinced that God is able to do what He has promised. We are fully convinced to do what God, that God is able to do what He has promised. So as we look at faith, and we look at the faith of Abraham, we see the response of faith. Faith is our response to God. Okay, this is where we get reformed. Yay! All right. Faith is our response to a God, listen, who initiates, God initiates the relationship. God is a seeking God. God is the one who called Abraham. Abraham was not looking for God. God called Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. God sought and called Abraham. And you know, the Bible teaches us that it is always God. It's always God who reaches out to us first. Did you know that? God is the one who is always reaching out to us first. We don't seek God. He seeks us. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Listen to this again. Again, another memory verse. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. And then what does it say? No one seeks for God. No one seeks for God. Now, before we're, that means this. It means before we are even thinking about God, before we ever desire to take a step towards God, He is reaching out to us. We, we hear the, that clearly in the call of Abraham and in the call of Matthew. I'm going to read that whole, it's a short passage, so I'll just read that again to you. Matthew 9, 9 through 13. As Jesus passed from there, He saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and He said to him, follow me. Who initiated that? Jesus initiates that. He said to him, follow me. And then one of the most astounding passages of Scripture, and he rose and followed him. Got right up, left all the, left the accounting books, left those piles of cash right there, got up and followed Jesus. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he, when Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well 
do not need a, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And hear this, hear it. For I came to call. I came to call. Not the righteous, but sinners. Now you might respond, but I, you might respond, hey, I, I always thought it was me who was searching for God in my Christian life. Well, where do you think that desire to seek God comes from? Where does that come from? It was God's first whisper of invitation stirring in your heart, creating a longing for something beyond yourself. And I want to just say this right now. If for those of us who have children who perhaps have walked away from the Lord Jesus Christ, not uh, living out the faith that they were raised in, I want to I tell you this. This is wonderful hope for parents who have children who are far away from Jesus because he is seeking them even when they are not seeking him. He is seeking them even when they are not seeking him. He still seeks for lost sheep. Isn't that good news? He doesn't, they don't have to initiate. The hound of heaven is on their heels, seeking them out. Faith begins when God reaches out to you and to me, and then we take that first step of living like we trust him. Can I really trust this person? Can I really take a chance on him? And so faith responds, therefore, with action. This is Genesis chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Listen to all the action words in, the, in these two verses. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from, from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the, to go to the land of Canaan. And listen to, again to that amazing verse in Matthew 9, the second half of verse 9. Matthew got up and followed him. Got up and followed him. So there's always a, an action on our part that responds to God's initiative of, of reaching out to us. And that, that is our faith. That's engaging God in that moment. Now I want you to know this, and, this and, and, and it sounds kind of, it doesn't sound like good news at the front end, but it is good news at the back end. Because it's this. There is always a loss associated with faith. There's loss that comes with faith. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, faith means losing the illusion that you are in control. Faith means losing the, the illusion that you are in control. Anybody here know where McAfee's Knob is here in Virginia? It's down in the southwestern corner. It's on the Appalachian Trail. There's a cliff there. In fact, um, I was hiking with my, uh, my young nephew at the time, and, uh, <laughs> and there's like a, the, 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 there's a big you know, rock shelf over here on this side, and the trail is about, I don't know, two feet wide. Maybe It seemed like it was two feet wide. It might have been a lot wider than that. And then on the other side, there's a drop of about 1,000 feet. And, and so and <laughs> I'm walking along, and... <laughs> He goes around that rock and he says, hey, by the way, there's a rattlesnake in the trail. How am I going to get around this rattlesnake? I've got a rattlesnake and a cliff and a big rock. We finally got around it. So I'm here, okay? It worked out. But there's a guy hiking near McAfee's trail and he, he slips on that, that cliff and he's, he 
falling off the side of the mountain, and he grabs onto a sapling as he goes over, and he's struggling to hold on. He's looking at the, the drop beneath him, and he, he cries out. He says, is there anybody up there that can help me? And a voice comes from heaven and says, I am here with you. Let go, and I will bear you up. And he's holding onto that branch, and he says, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> You know, we have to release, we have to lose the what-ifs. Abraham was just told to get up and go. He had to let go of the what-ifs. What if there is no pasture for my herds and flocks? What if there are enemies there? What if this is all in my imagination? What if God lets me down? What if there... What if, what if, what if? I wonder what, what are the what-ifs in your life right now that stand between you and trusting God. Because believing in God is, in fact, risky. You know, Christianity is not boring. It's, sometimes it's just terrifying. <laughs> it's an adventure. It's the best life you can live. So when God called Abram, he didn't give him the AAA map to Canaan. Abraham did not get an app, to Can the Canaan app, how to get there in the shortest amount of time. Like with, with uh, what is it, Gas Buddy? Yeah, you got gas buddies. Here's the gas, here's the gas stations along your way to Canaan. He didn't get any of that. He didn't get this, the signs along the way. He was merely told to get up and go. And so there is that risk element involved. It means following God, taking him at his word, and walking step by step. There are no guarantees. There are no directions. There's no details. There's only God. We are betting our lives that, God, that the God who calls us is real and that He is indeed trustworthy. Faith means betting your life that God is trustworthy. Trusting God means real loss. Abraham was called to leave everything he knew. He left his community, he left his country, he left his security, he left his way of life. Many of us who have been in ministry knows what, know what I'm talking about. If you've been in any kind of full-time ministry, you've probably experienced something like that. Something like that. I remember um, when I was called into ministry and we, we thought this was the Lord calling us, um, and, and at the time I was in, in the Methodist church, and so you know you have parsonages, kind of like you have here, right? And there was, So we knew that there was going to be a parsonage, and we knew there were going to be furnishings and things like that. And so we literally sold all of our furniture. We sold all of our furniture. And I remember, and so we're, we're losing this stuff. Some of it we were kind of attached to, you know. And, and I remember uh, we had one old green couch. It was my grandmama's couch. And I wasn't going to take that couch with me. I remember kneeling down. I was literally kneeling at the couch, praying, you know, for Lord, please send someone. Because uh, we had put this, there was this stuff, kids, called a newspaper. And, and there, in the newspaper, there were these things that were called classified ads. And you could put things in the classified ads, and people would read that, and you put your phone number in there because you didn't have an email, and they would call you or you give them directions or whatever, and they would come and buy your stuff from you. That's one of the ways it worked. And so we'd put a classified ad out, and uh, as I, literally as I was praying, there was a knock on the door. And I opened the door, there was a stranger there, and he said, I was just wondering, have you sold that green couch yet? I was kneeling at that couch praying for somebody to come and take that couch you see, faith displaces self-reliance. Faith displaces self-reliance and puts us in a posture of dependence upon God. 
Jesus himself explicitly says to follow him means letting go of everything. I told you it starts off kind of, sounds scary and maybe a little negative, but please, please bear with me. Jesus himself explicitly tells us that to follow him means letting go of everything. Uh, I was just thinking about, just now Tim Keller used to say that uh, God can never put blessing into fists that are clenched. You have to open your hands. And Jesus says, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. In order to receive what God has for us, in order for you to receive the abundant life, Jesus said in John chapter 10, I've I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Exactly right. So we have to, in order to receive that abundant life, we have to be willing to release the things that we cling to so that God can pour abundance into our lives that will truly bling, bring, or bling, bling would might be, might be good too. God, please give me some bling. No, that's not my prayer today. But God can really bring blessing into our lives when we open our hands like that. Now, here's the good news. I told you this is actually good news. The little loss, listen, the little loss that faith incurs brings a blessing Beyond your imagination. What we lose is trifling. Because in the process of trusting God, we gain the kingdom. There are two little one word, or one sentence parables in Matthew's gospel. And we'll probably come to that in the course of, of the lectionary this year. But you probably are aware, you know, you know this is Matthew chapter 13 verses 44. I'll just begin with 40. I'll just, I'll just do this one. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his, listen, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. So the person who finds the treasure in the field does not think of selling all their possessions in order to gain the field as loss. It's the key to abundance. The man who sold all he had to purchase the, the field with the treasure in it gained so much more than he had to sell. Or again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, Pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. See, the greatest blessing of all, though, uh, the, the, the greatest blessing of the kind of faith we're talking about this morning is experiencing, and this is, this is so important, is when we live like this, we experience the reality of God. God only reveals himself to those who take the risk of faith. You cannot know the reality of God until you begin to live like God is real. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give you this land. I will, to your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Abraham walked by faith, and the Lord appeared to him. Uh, back in 2007, um, it was a painful time in uh, my family's life. Uh, we closed a church. We had tried to plant a church for three years. I was, I was born in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. All right, I'm going to probably create some animosity with these two statements. 
I went to undergraduate school at UNC Chapel Hill, so I've made some of y'all mad. And then I went to Divinity School at Duke University. Now everybody's mad. <laughs> I still pull for Carolina. Just let the record be shown. But we, I, so I was from there. I went to school there. I did my, my, uh, my undergraduate and master's degrees there. But when we, had, when we went back, that was a different community than when I had left. It was a totally different community. We just didn't fit in. And our family had lived sacrificially and faithfully for God in those three years. And finally, we had to realize it was just not going to work. And although our youngest, our, excuse me, our oldest daughter was out of the house on her own, we still had our youngest child at home and our middle, middle daughter was in college. And so for the first time in my life, when we closed that church, and first time in my adult life, I did not have a job. I did not have income. And I was in my 40s. And here's what the Lord showed me during that time. Now, let me say this, and I told you I was going to come back to this and explain this decision language. So I want you to know that I, this is what I believe. I know that faith is a gift of grace from the Holy Spirit. Yes, I know that. I believe that. But I, have, I also had to come to the realization that faith required my active response of trust. It is a gift of the Spirit, but we are not just bumps on the proverbial log. It requires our, our active response of trust. Here's what I, and so here's what I had to decide was true. And perhaps these are words that apply in your life as well. In spite of current circumstances, I had to decide to believe that God loved me, that God loved my family, that God was in fact, listen, good. God is good. And that he would somehow take care of us. I had to say in that moment, because that's when faith is required. When the sight, <laughs> the sight part, you don't see it happening. I had to believe that God is good. And then the Lord showed me also that faith is manifest in this way in our speech. And that means, listen, so this is all together. I had to believe that God loved me. He loved my family. He would take care of us. And most of all, I had to believe no matter what things looked like in that moment, God is still a good and loving God. And then I had to realize that one of the ways that we manifest that kind of faith is in how we talk. And so I was tempted to talk a lot of negative talk. I'm good at that. I'm, pessimism is not a spiritual gift. But if it was, I have it. I just call it realism. That's how pessimists always talk. Yes, I know. But I had to say, I had to tell, listen, this is, I, this is the phrase that the Lord put on my heart. I have to tell the truth about God. God, you are good. What I'm going through isn't good, but you are good. And you know, that's the kind of faith we hear about in, in, you know, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love this pa these passages of Scripture from the Old Testament. Daniel 3, 17 and 18. Our God, this is what he, they say to the king. Our God, is, our, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. In the most extreme moment of their lives, they're facing the fiery furnace. They say, God is able to deliver us. And even if he isn't, we won't serve your idols. 
Even if God doesn't deliver us, we will not serve your false gods. You know, that's the faith of Job. And I will have to say that this has been a, 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 a verse very important to me in times like I was just describing. Job 13, 15, and I love this. I'm going to read it in the King James because that's what St. Paul used. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. (laughs) Even if he kills me, I will trust in my good, good God. That's amazing faith. And God did bring us through that time. In fact, I, I still don't know how we made it. I can't make it add up. But what's more, it was because of closing that church Because of losing my livelihood, God gave us the desire of our heart. And we didn't even know it was the desire of our heart until God had done it. He sent our family to Winston-Salem, North Carolina to plant a church there. And for 15 years, we had the sweetest, most fruitful time of ministry in our lives. God revealed His goodness and His reality to us because all we had left was trust in Him. It was such a wonderful... I've just stepped down from that in January of this year. I'm canon missioner for Appalachia in West Virginia now. And I was always thinking as we were, at, we were at this church, this beautiful, wonderful church with amazing people, and it was so good. I remember thinking, when is the other shoe going to drop? When is the other shoe going to drop? And for 15 years, it was kind of in the back of my mind. It never dropped! It was the sweetest, most fruitful time of ministry that I ever had because God had brought us through, yes, a fiery furnace. He did deliver us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. And you know, finally, God uses our faith that walk of faith to bless others. That's what he did in Genesis chapter 12. God says this to Abram in chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. I will make you a great, into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And then finally, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Why? Because you trusted me, Abram, that I could do what I said I was going to do. And because of your faith in me, you will be a blessing to many nations. And you and I are in this place right now. Paul says this in uh, Romans chapter 3 or chapter 4 that we just read, that we are his children. You are his offspring, Abram's offspring. You You are the promise God kept to Abram. Isn't that amazing? God is so good. And here we are, what, 3,500 years later, living the blessing of Abram. And when we step out in faith, we become a living sacrament. Others encounter the grace and blessing of God through us. So let me ask you this this morning, Church of the Lamb. Is God calling you, and as individuals, families, is God calling you like he did Abraham and Matthew to take a step of faith. In one sense, you're already doing that by looking towards building a new building here on this property that will be a blessing not just to you only, but it will be an outpost for mission and ministry in this community. 
You're going to be doing it in a time of inflation and supply chain shortages. But even in that, God is still good. No unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. God is able to do what he has promised. Please bow your heads in prayer with me. Almighty God, kindle our lagging faith this morning. Thank you for reminding us through the stories of Abraham and Matthew, Lord, in these passages we just read, of your goodness to those who put their trust in you. And thank you, Lord, I think you're probably reminding some of us this morning in this, in this barn of stories of your faithfulness in our lives. Kindle faith again. Remind us of how good you have been, Lord, in our lives as individuals, as families, and as church together. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.